0: All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. I want you to see the text. Make notes as we go. I want this this text to sink into our hearts and to our minds longer than the few minutes we have together this morning. If we can grasp the truth that is offered in this text, it transforms how we live and it changes our eternities, right? This is not a minor uh, text. There are no minor texts in the Bible. This is a huge theme, not only throughout the book of Luke, but throughout the Bible. And so uh, today we're going to be in Luke 18, 9 through 14. And I'm going to ask us to do something different. I'm going to ask us to stand as we read the text, and we'll pray, and then we'll get to work. So please stand as we read. Starting with verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and treated others with contempt. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that we see clearly this text. Lord, I pray that we are a humble people, totally dependent on your mercy. For those are the ones who are justified. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was talking with our football team uh, this past week. We had a guy that, that had to move to a different position. He was playing linebacker, had to move to defensive line. Um, and there's this idea that linebacker is cooler than defensive line, although I would disagree with that. Uh, but this guy was, was frustrated that he was moving positions. And so Coach Nevels called all of us together and said, hey, listen, I, there are no egos on this team, right? Leave the pride at the door. You're coming here. It's what's best for the team. That's what's best for me. And, and so he was going through that. And then devotional. On Friday night was about humility. Do you remember how we defined humility? On Wednesday, there were, there were definitions, and a couple of the guys had no idea what humility was. Right? They couldn't define it. A couple guys had some good ideas. It's like uh, count others better than yourselves, and that's 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 getting really close to biblical uh, terms, right? Because in Philippians two, we see, hey, have the same attitude as Jesus. Consider others as more significant than yourself, but I didn't want to spend Friday night doing that because then I was afraid our guys would consider Grant County better football players than ourselves. And so I had to be careful here. And so I went to a text, Proverbs 27.2 says, Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Right Now listen, I'm going to give an example of our football team because it's easy to point out pride in somebody else and it's hard to see pride in our own lives, but I'll promise you this. From the text that we just read, the Pharisee was the guy walking the line. He was the one that had everything together. He would be the one, the people thought, hey, this is who has access to God. And it wasn't. Pride is very, very tricky. It sneaks into our lives, um, and it will grab your heart quicker than you can realize, and it's blind to you. You won't be able to see it. I hope you have people in your lives that can point this out. But we're on Friday night talking about, uh, hey, Mike, if you see Jameer got an interception, right? I don't want Jameer jumping up after an interception. It was a huge play, right? They, they were driving down the field. He made a great diving grab. He gets up. I don't want to see Jameer jump up and say, ah, did you see that? Did you see that? Best catch ever. I did that. That's not what Jameer did, right? And so I was like, Mike, hey, I hope he congratulated you. Hey, great play, man, big play. Go celebrate with your teammate. Well, come Saturday morning, we have this thing called Huddle Account, right? It's a cool way to do videos. All of our games are videotaped, and we have to watch film and say what we did well, what we did bad. And what would happen is on Saturday morning, I asked Mike, I saw one of our guys, he's not here this morning, one of our guys had already put up his highlight film from the game before, right? And I went back, I, oh, what was our text for Friday for our, our devotional? Oh, yeah, let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. But sure enough, he's like, hey, look. Got my first touchdown. What's up? And then he's like, and I got a second one. I'm like, oh. And so I asked Mike, hey, Mike, did you put any highlights up of any of your teammates? And I go, what about this guy? He made a play. He's like, no, he's already got his tape out there. What about this guy? No, he already has his highlight out there. All of our guys were already pumping themselves up saying, hey, look at me. Look at these highlights. Why? Because that's the inclinations of our heart. Sometimes we do that with our position, where we work. Sometimes we do that with our income. Sometimes we do that uh, with what we've accomplished in the past. We do that with athletic, uh, our athletic talent. We do that with our education levels. There's a lot of boasting that goes on in our world today. And yet what we see here is that it's the mercy of God that all of us are dependent on. None of us in this room and on this globe get into heaven because of what we do. You'll never, ever be good enough. You'll never, ever accomplish enough. Can't do it. We only get into heaven because of what Christ has done for us. So I think it's interesting. It's Labor Day tomorrow. And Labor Day was created to celebrate everything we've accomplished through work. And yet Christianity is the exact opposite. You can't accomplish anything through your work. You can't save yourself. You have to trust in the work of another, Jesus Christ. And if Jesus gives us everything, who are we going to brag about? We're we'll going to brag about Jesus. All right? so the text goes, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. All right, so that's where I want us to get to today. That's where I, I want us to grow. Um, I think one guy helped us out. This guy his uh John Bloom, he's a, a writer on a blog post, said, The primary trait of humble people is that they just don't think much of themselves. Now I want you to be careful, right? I've got three girls. I want them to be confident. I don't want them to have low self-esteem or whatever that is. I want to become, but this is what I want them to do: meaning they are not self-preoccupied. The world's not revolving around them. They have better, higher, more glorious things to be occupied with than themselves. Mike and I went to uh, Bob Evans. I think this was last week before our game. Enjoyed breakfast. We aren't starting school yet. That starts Tuesday. We go to Bob Evans and there's an older, uh, older two ladies sitting at the table behind us. And this lady is going on and on about how good she makes her yard look. And then she brags about her health. She hadn't had any surgery yet. And then it got to the point where their meal comes, and she gets the salt packet out, and she puts it on and She tells her friend, oh, yeah, I can do salt still. Doctor says, I'm fine. My sodium levels are great. My, all my friends, they got to watch out on their salt. But I can do salt. She's putting it on, right? Constantly pumping herself up. Well, this lady's gonna brag about something. The other lady sitting across from her. She's not bragging about herself. She doesn't get around too well. She's not very healthy, but she brings out her wallet. And then she has this Rolodex of pictures of her grandkids. And she's just going through each grandkid, spinning about. See, this lady found something more glorious than herself to brag about. And you see, that's our story for those in Christ. We found something, found someone infinitely more glorious than ourselves. To constantly point people to, only by the mercy of God am I justified before him. And because of Christ, I stand righteous before God. So I want us to be careful. because I'll be honest with you, when you look at this text and you see the Pharisee, like it's a good thing that he's not committing adultery on his wife. Like it's a good thing he's not going out and stealing and robbing from people. It's a good thing that he's not uh, devastated by drug use. But none of that saves them. You see, in Christ, we are new creations, filled with His Spirit to walk in a way that glorifies Him. But that's not what saves us. The work of Christ saves us. And so that's what I want us to be clear on today. I want us to be humble, and we're going to see for three reasons. All right, number one, be humble. Do not trust in yourself for salvation. You see it in verse 1. Jesus shares this parable to warn and correct those who were trusting in themselves that they were righteous. Have any of you guys ever gone skydiving? Do we have any skydiving? No one in this room has ever gone skydiving? Wow. I thought for sure we'd have a couple. Does anybody in the room ever want to go skydiving? Alright, alright, we got a couple. we got a couple. John, what's one thing you're going to have when you go skydiving? a parachute, right? He'll either have a parachute or he'll be connected to a person that has a parachute. Why? Because it's simple. You don't jump out of a plane thousands of feet in the air thinking you can fly. All of us in the room know, I would hope, you cannot fly. These are not wings. You are desperately in need of a parachute, right? And in the same way what you see with this guy and a lot of people today, they think they're all right before God. It's like they can go up on a plane, jump out without a parachute, and like, ah, I'm good. It's crazy. And yeah, that's what people are doing. So here's my question to you. What is your standing before God today? Right? Let's say Jesus has returned, or you've breathed your last. You're standing before God. What is your standing before God? And I want you to think. So I'm going to ask you to give some feedback here. And, and I was thinking through this. Um, And I had three responses that a lot of people will give. Um, One response is, I don't know, and I don't care. Right? I don't know if there is a guy, and if there is, I don't really care about it. That's a response some people give. Another response is, I'm not that bad a person. Right? So when I look across all of Holmes High School, I'm better than half of the people. I think I'll be okay. Right? Some people look at it that way. And then another group of people will say, well, God loves everyone, so I'm good to go. Right? God's love, and and he'll take care of it. I'm not worried about it. Do you guys see any other views on this? Hey, there, there are no wrong answers here. Anything that you've heard? Anything that you've seen people trust in? On their, their standing before God right now? So now my question is where do you stand? Where do you stand before God today? Right now here's the awesome part. What we're going to see in this text is today is either a day of celebration Of what God has done in your life, or it could be a day of justification. You can experience that would be a glorious day. You came in this building dead in your sin, separated from God, the wrath of the Father on us because of our sin, but you leave justified, just like this tax collector who came in begging for mercy. That could be your story. So that's what we're learning. So, number one, be humble. That's why this parable was given to correct us from thinking that we can do it on our own. Number two, look at how confident the Pharisee is. He comes in, he goes, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. And then, just in case God didn't get it, he's like, well, and I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I get. In his one prayer, he mentions God twice, and it's right at the beginning. And he mentions himself five times. Our praying should not be focused on ourselves. should be focused on God. God is the star of our prayers, not ourselves. And so I want us to learn, be humble, because the Pharisees' confidence was false confidence. And then finally, I, I was, this will be the one time and only time I'll ever use a boy band for an illustration. All right? Have any of you guys heard of NSYNC? There was a guy by the name of Justin Timberlake. A lot of you guys will know who Justin Timberlake is. All right, so a boy band back when I was in high school, in sync, they had this song, A Little More Time, A Little More Time on You, and this is one of the lyrics. I'm not going to try to sing it. I'm just going to say it. When I look into your eyes, I know it's true. God must have spent a little more time on you. Right? I think that this Pharisee wrote that song. I think he was singing it about himself. He comes into the temple he's like, oh. God, when you created me, you got it right. You're lucky that I am on the team. And he's constantly pumping himself up. But we see the warning. He goes away not justified. Did you see that? Look at verse 18, verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. You know, Jesus could have just said, this man went away justified, talking about the tax collector. But he wanted to make sure we understood that the other guy, the Pharisee, nope. He's not going to enter into the kingdom. He is not saved. He is not justified before God. And and I'll put it to you this way. I believe this guy, this Pharisee, would be more moral than all of us in the room. He's not drinking, never got drunk. He probably has most of the Old Testament memorized. He's in his Bible every day. He attends church eight days a week. This is the... And so he doesn't measure up. Like, I don't, now he's still a sinner. But he doesn't see it because he's not humble. And you can see he's not in love with God by how he treats his neighbor. Do you think he cared about the tax collector? He doesn't care. He just says, I'm glad I'm not like him. Misses the point. You can see that he has no idea who God is by how he treats his neighbor. Leaves the temple, dead in sin, not justified before God. Now, this is the terrifying part for me. I hope no one in here leaves the church this way. There's no reason to leave the church this way. This is, it would be like, we go to the doctor, we get an MRI, I get an MRI, and and I see a spot on my lung, and and it's cancerous, and, and the doctor says, hey, you can get it removed, um, it's going to take a little bit of surgery, we caught it early, you're going to be fine, right? It would be like me saying to that doctor, you know what, doctor, I think I'm good. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat healthy, and I'm going to start exercising. I'll take care of it, don't worry about it, right? That's what it would be like coming in here and you hearing that, hey, we all have a sin problem, and before God we're not okay, but you can trust Jesus and his work, and you can be saved. You're like, ah, I'll just try harder. Uh, I'll worry about that later. Don't do that. If you have cancer and there's a cure, get that thing out. We have a bigger problem, sin, but there's a cure. His name is Jesus. Turn to him. today. Don't don't leave like this guy did the temple, not justified before God. So be humble. Do not depend on yourself for salvation. But then number two, be humble. Depend on God for mercy. Depend on God for mercy. Humility enables this guy to see him for who he is, a sinner. Right? He he comes in, he's standing far off, he would not lift up his eyes, uh, but he beat his chest he's like, I I don't even deserve to be in the building. You see, his sin is real to him. You want to know who the easiest people to talk about Jesus, who they are? People who know they've messed up. I worked at the jail for three years and you want to know what people do in the jail? They know they've messed up. You want to know what the crazy part about people outside of the jail is? They think they got it all together. I don't need Jesus look at my life. It's crazy. This guy understood that he was in desperate need because he did not meet the mark. He has nothing to offer. He brings nothing to the table. He's unworthy of approaching God. The crazy part is not his attitude. It's the Pharisee thought he could approach God on his own terms. Do we realize how glorious God is? How holy he is? There's a picture in Isaiah chapter 6 Of these these beautiful creatures and their constant refrain is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they never get tired and they never get bored and it's the same song day in and day out 24-7. Why? Because they see how glorious God is. And what happens is when Isaiah catches a glimpse of God and his glory filling the temple, he falls on his face and he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people who have unclean lips. He sees their sin. You see, when we're humble, we know we don't got it all together. We recognize that we are a sinner. But then we also see how holy God is. So I I want to give you this picture, all right? Two people coming into the temple, right? First guy, the Pharisee. He comes in. He might have the Conor McGregor walk. You know, he's he's got it all together. Thanks, Taiwan. You know I was sitting up front, right? I've got it all together. You know what? That's not even up close. I'm going way up here. I'm gonna sit no, I'm not even gonna sit down. I'm gonna be here long. I don't need to be here long. God, thank you. I've got it all together. I give my money, I read the Bible, I'm here all the time. I even clean the bathrooms on occasion. Thank you. I'm so thankful I'm not like Taiwan, I'm not like Jameer, I'm not like you guys. Got all together. Thank you. Amen. Then he goes. Then you got another guy coming in, right? He opens the door, and he's scared to death of all you guys. But he's more terrified of God. He's like, you know what? I'm not even going to take my mat off the feet, my feet off the mat. I'm going to stand here. I don't even want to, to go up there. I'm not going to look up. God, have mercy on me. I've blown it. I've missed the mark. Boom. And then he takes off. Right? He's gone. So those are the two pictures of the individuals. And all of us fall in between one of those two people. Right? These are two extremes that Jesus gives. And then Jesus speaks with authority in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. God heard one of their prayers, not both. So my question to you, whose righteousness are you depending on? There's a couple of things. 1 Corinthians 1 says this. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 1, and you're looking at 29 to 31. This is what we read. God chose what is foolish to shame the wise, what is weak to shame the strong, what is low and despised and are nothing to bring to nothing those things that are. Why did God do that? Why did God pick the outcast? Why is Jesus going to sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and not to morally good people? This is why. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. There will be no bragging. There will be no pumping yourself up before God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now listen, those are four huge words. Basically what it's saying is everything you got that matters comes from Jesus. So the conclusion, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, I want to share this, this illustration with you. Um, But I don't want you to get distracted and I'm nervous about the illustration because it's a made-up movie right understand I understand that in Space Jam this didn't really happen but I want you to see a spiritual reality that is truth so these are known as the monsters and they challenge the the Looney Tunes to a game winner gets whatever on their own they're not very good at basketball and so what happens is they take the talent from guys Like, for some of you guys, old school guys, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bogues, Sean Bradley. And then they become these guys. Now, the Monstars can play basketball. But it's not because they were good. It's because they got the talent of NBA players. This is the truth that Paul is speaking about. You and I before God, these guys. You and I, because of Christ, right here. This is what I mean. When I stand before God, this this is the big church word. It's called imputed righteousness, meaning the work of another given on my behalf. So when I stand before God, if I say, you know what, God, I was a pastor of Redemption Church. I tried to help out at Holmes High School. Um, I, I did this and this and this. None of that, none of that meets the standard. Right? God's holiness is perfection, and I've blown it. Any of you, coach and work for you, you know I've messed up. You live 24-7, you see me in and out, you know I've messed up. Married to Julianne for 15 years. This isn't a surprise to anybody. I can't even show you how good I am for an hour on Sunday mornings. right? I've missed the mark. And if somebody doesn't help me, I'm done. And the same is true for all of us in the room. Then I look to the cross, and I see Jesus, who never messed up. Comes, lives a perfect life. Always patient, always gentle, always kind, always loving. Doing what he's supposed to be doing 24-7. And then he goes to the cross. Now this is a beautiful picture, right? Because he's given this parable while what? Where's his journey taking him? To Jerusalem. What happens in Jerusalem? He lays his life down. And so this tax collector is begging for the mercy of God. And you want to know where we see the mercy of God most clearly? At the cross. Jesus is like, hey, Ben, I love you so much. You can't do it on your own. I got you. And then we see, oh, man. When he says he got me, he really got me. He goes to the cross, lays his life down, even though he had no sin to pay for. So whose sin was he paying for? All who call on him in faith. And he's dead. He's dead. And he's buried, and three days later, he bursts out of the grave. Walks around for 40 days, ascends to the Father, and is soon returning for his people. That is a picture of mercy. This task collector's prayer is answered, and guess what? Your prayer for mercy can be answered because of what Christ has done. Do not stand before God depending on yourself to save you. You cannot do it. You have to have Christ. No one else meets the standard. So I think a a clear verse and one that we have to have, uh, I think, memorized. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 5.21. You guys have heard this and you'll continue to hear this verse time and time again. I think it's the most clear verse about how we can get righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. That is a beautiful, beautiful picture. And that leads us to our our third and final point. So be humble. Know that we can't earn our own salvation. Be humble. Rely on God for mercy, but then be humble because you will be exalted. This is the, the theme that we see And Luke, again and again and again. You see it throughout the Bible. You see it in the book of Psalms. You see it in Proverbs. Be humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You see this in the book of James. You see this. Luke starts out this way. You guys remember Mary's prayer? Luke 1.52, the Lord has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary understands she doesn't have anything to offer God, but God uses her. Right? The characteristic is humility, or later on in Luke 14, 11, The same conclusion from a different parable. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And they were talking about a wedding feast. And what would happen is, me and Taiwan up here, we, we, we enjoying it, right? We got good seats at this table. If you want steak, you get steak. If you don't, you can pass, you could get fish. And we're, we're chopping up back here, but by the time it gets to Sam in the back, there's only crumbs. And so what would happen is everybody would want to sit up front. We want places of honor. We want people to notice us. Right? They notice us. Well, what would happen is the guy, the head of the, the feast, would say, hey, Ben, I need you to get up. And I'm like, oh, crap. This is embarrassing. Everybody's looking. Right? I'm up here. Hey, I need you to go to the back. And they put me on the back row. And they'd be like, hey, Sam, what are you doing back here, man? Come on up. You don't have to. You don't have to. What are you doing back? Come on up here. You, like, Sam, you, you up here. You up front. You get the best." And what Jesus was saying is there's people that they thought were in the kingdom, the Pharisees. Like, oh, I'm good. God loves me. Look, I got the nicest clothes. Got the nicest spot at the temple. I'm good. I'm right here next to God. And Jesus is like, no, you're not. You're not even at the table. And then tax collectors and and all these sinners were coming in and they're like, hey, here's a seat. Here's your seat. Come on up. Here's your seat. And that's why he says, hey, those who are humble will be exalted. And then he does it again in this verse, in this passage. And I want you to see this. In Ephesians 2, 4-10, I want you to see how if you humbly walk with Jesus now, you will be exalted. This is a reality for all those who are in Christ. In Ephesians 2, 4-10, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. There is no room for pride. I don't know how else Paul can make it clear. Rich in mercy, because of his great love, he loved us. While we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Like Paul's hitting it, drawing it clear. Then we see, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That's a place of exaltation. That's a prime time spot. Did you catch that? He raised us up with Jesus, seated us with him in the heavenly places. That's where we'll be for all eternity. New heavens, new earth, enjoying God and his presence forever. So that in the coming ages, right, for all eternity, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's where I want to be. I don't want to get before God and he's like, depart from me, I never knew you. I want him here to hear, say, hey, come on in. Come on in. Here's your spot. That's what it means. Be humble now. See our desperate need for Christ. Be exalted later. That right there in Ephesians is a reality. My future is secure because of what Christ has done for me. And so I leave with this. In Romans 3, we read if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans 3. This will be the last passage. And then we'll have an opportunity to make a decision. And then we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and we'll be finished for Labor Day. And in Romans chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, turned, to Romans chapter 3. If you don't, it's on the screen. You can take a picture of that on your phones. I want you to have this text. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified By his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So what we see is that God, knowing you can't pay for your sin, sends his son to do that. That's what propitiation means. Standing in on our behalf. How? By laying his life down on the cross. So The reason why we read this is because later on in Romans 8, verse 1, it says, Now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why is there no condemnation for me? Because of what Christ has done for me. I receive by faith. I get His righteousness. Now, this is what I want us to do. Right now, in this room, I know some of your stories, your spiritual journey. For some of you, This is a reminder of a time when you turned to God and relied on Jesus for salvation. And if you want to share that time, you can now. For some of you, you've never made this decision. You may uh, have prayed a prayer or who knows what. But you know right now, before God, you're not good. But you can be. You see, the, the prayer of this tax collector wasn't tough. Tassiter standing far off, not lifting up his eyes, said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you confess your sins to God and you trust in Jesus to save you from your sins, you will be saved. You will be justified before God. And maybe today you need to make that decision. So this is your time. We'll only have a few minutes doing this. I want to hear about when you put your faith in Christ or... You want to put your faith in Christ right now. All right, I'll go first, and then I want you guys to share. So for me, I was seven. I was young. I had a mom, a pastor, and grandparents that would constantly share the gospel. with me. And when I say gospel, they would tell me about what Jesus has done for me. Right? I was one of those kids that knew Easter comes. It's not about Easter bunny and chocolate, although I loved it. I knew it was about the death of Christ. And then the Holy Spirit moved in my life, convicted me of sin, the things I did wrong, that I wasn't okay before God. And I called out to Jesus to save me, forgive me of my sin. And then from that point on, it's been a journey. And so for me, in this passage, I had to be careful because I think some people see, and sometimes I show that I have more Pharisaic tendencies. Oh, well, Ben doesn't cuss, and he doesn't drink, and but that has nothing to do with why I'm saved. The only reason I stand before God justified is because of what Christ has done for me. And I want to grow in that because when that happens, I live it out. When I know how much Jesus has done for me, it changes my motivations for what I do. That's my story. What's your story? You can turn from your sin. You can trust in God for salvation because of what Christ has done. And the tax collector shows you the prayer. There are no magic words, but we are dependent people on God's mercy and we see it on the cross. So I'm going to pray. And if you've never made that decision in your life, I want you to call out to God and ask for mercy. And if you have made that decision, I want you to give thanks to God for what he has done in Christ. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word when we get to this text. Lord, I pray that it is clear that we see how devastating our sin is personally. Not the sin of somebody else, but our sin of how unworthy we are to ever approach You. And I pray we see how big and awesome and holy You are and how merciful you are that you would allow us into your presence because of what Jesus has done for us. So, Father, I pray for those in the room that have never made that decision. I pray that they make that decision today. And I pray for those who have, that they celebrate it, that they remember it, and that it changes what they do from here on out. so in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.